Welcome to Growth Hack by Poppy Digital. Tips and tricks to master the algorithms from industry insiders. Now here's your host, Julian Espinoza. Welcome back to Growth Hack, where we break down marketing channels like Google, Facebook, Instagram, and show them how to make them work for you. Getting online users to give you their information has become substantially harder over the last few years. Personally, I always think to myself, oh great, just another place I need to unsubscribe from. Well, on this episode of Growth Hack, we bring on Robert Rose to teach us the ways we can get users to want to give up their info. Robert has more than 30 years of experience in digital marketing and the strategic use of content to drive better customer experiences. He has advised more than 200 companies, including McDonald's, Facebook, Microsoft, Adidas, Whirlpool, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Robert's firm, The Content Advisory, is the leading content strategy consulting, researching, and education company. Robert is also the co-host of the popular marketing podcast, This Old Marketing, which has been downloaded more than 2 million times in 150 countries. Welcome, Robert. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Very excited to have you on the show today. We're going to be talking about content marketing, but under the lens of first-party data. And so... Um, if you've listened to this podcast before, you definitely know what first-party data is. If you haven't listened to this podcast before, Robert, why don't you talk a little bit about what first-party data is, and then we can get into this stuff. Sure. Well, you know, in the simplest sense, first-party data is data that we acquire ourselves. You know, in other words, we are the ones to acquire it. Uh, it might be, you know, we, we typically branch it into three areas. We say explicit data, in other words, data that you're getting from your customer, like name, their address, their email address, their text number, um, those kinds of things. There is implicit data, which we get from just their consumption of content, which content did they consume, which polls did they take, those kinds of things. And then there's what we call ambient data, which is contextual data. It could be the weather in particular areas. It could be you know, the particular environment that they're coming from, mobile versus desktop, those different kinds of things. And put all those things together. And if, you, if the provenance of the data itself is you, then basically it is first-party data as opposed to second or third-party data. On this podcast, we've spent a lot of time convincing listeners that first-party data is critical and it's crucial. So if you haven't been convinced of that, go listen to another episode. Uh, I think it's episode 34 and go check that one out. But this is for people that are convinced first-party data is something that you want to take action on and you're trying to develop tactics around how to get that first-party data. So with that said talk to us. What are some tactics on how we can collect first-party data using content marketing? Well, you know, the, and, and, and those two things sort of go together, right? I mean, because if you think about it in the simplest sense, what we're really trying to do is build an addressable audience. In other words, an audience that wants to hear from us and that we can address at our choosing. We're not dependent upon Facebook's algorithm. We're not dependent on Google placing it this at the top of a search results page. We're not dependent on using the data that they're doing to target their ads to you know, other places. We're using our data to benefit our business. And so when you start thinking about acquiring those things, you know, the typical most sort of cliched version of that is making someone register for access to an ebook or making someone register access to, you know, some sort of asset that you have, a video or something like that. And then ultimately 
considering that person or that lead, if you will, as an active part of your marketing funnel. Now, that may or may not be true, depending on what you're doing. But the key is using tactics like registration, polls, surveys, comments on your blog, all those ways that consumers or our customers can interact with our content as ways to say, what data do they want to give us? And that's the real magic here. Not what do they feel like they have to give us, but what do they want to get us, give us so that they're getting things in return? So you, you rattled off a lot of them. Why don't you, for the audience, uh, rattle some of them off again and talk a slightly about each one of them? Sure. So there's subscriptions, for example, right? When we think about subscriptions to an email newsletter or subscription to your resource center or subscription to your podcast, if you will. Um, and the key is, what is it that they're getting for return? Well, one of the things that we want to make sure that we're doing are creating subscribers, people who want to hear from us. And so think about for a second, when you're providing that gate, that form that says, here, put in some information. Now, what are they getting in return and what kind of information are you trying to get? Your goal as a marketer should be have, to have them say, I want to give you this information and understand what information I'm giving you, my name, my email address, et cetera, because I'm getting the value in return for that. In other words, if I give you the industry I'm in, I'm getting a specific asset that is specific to that industry. If I'm giving you my email address, it's because I want you to address me through email, et cetera, et cetera. Polls and surveys are another good one, right? Where we look at polls and surveys, if you're clever about the way that you put those things on your website or your social media or wherever it is, and you gather that data through there, you can start to really understand consumer intent, what their feelings are, where they, uh, what they feel about particular products and services, you know, all the things that you have questions in your mind around about where they are in their particular journey can be gleaned from putting together something that is also valuable for them, a poll or a survey or a game or something interactive. And the last I would mention would be something like looking at the content that they're consuming. If you have a really smart metadata structure around your content, perhaps you have a, you know, a white paper on your website called the 10 things you need to know before you start the thing that you're trying to get to. Well, now you know if you target that as beginner, you know that the people downloading that and then associating that with their email address, they're not ready for a sales call yet because they're just beginning to learn. But if you have another white paper called everything you need to know about how to implement this particular type of solution, well, now those people who are downloading it, they're ready to implement. So maybe they are ready for a sales call at that point. Starting to look at the context of the data and putting it together in a clever way to understand consumer and customer intent. You know, it's really interesting in my experience working with customers, every, every customer that you end up talking to is looking for some direct response. They're looking for DR. They're looking for very bottom of the funnel uh, campaigns. They're looking for really like, hey, let's let's make sure a transaction happens in some sort of fashion. And what we're talking about isn't, I mean, we are talking about bottom of the, you can incorporate this stuff towards the bottom of the funnel. But I think where the magic happens and where we're collecting this first party data is more top of the funnel, right? Having those conversations earlier before someone is ready to make that transaction. So can you talk a little bit about how 
some top of the funnel tactics. Most companies are like, they think very binary, think ones and zeros. They're like, okay, I need to, I need to get a sale. We need to get a, a new subscriber to this solution. We need to pitch a demo to this client, right? So can you talk a little bit more top of the funnel and the value of the top of the funnel, maybe how to execute at the top of the funnel? So the, the, it's really simple. Look, I've been doing this 30 years, right, in marketing. And the entirety of marketing is to look at our funnel and make it as efficient as possible, right? Put, you know, we're putting as many people into the top of the funnel as makes sense. And what we're doing is hopefully increasing the number of people who go through each layer till we get to the number of customers. Because if we can do that, we're geniuses and we get big bonuses. And so top of the funnel typically, again, to your point about being a binary thing of one versus zero is we're basically looking to put as many people in there and then send those people buy signals, hoping that a bunch of them are ready to buy right now. And we're sort of make the assumption that anybody at that top of that level is sort of just almost on the cusp of buying, but not really ready yet. And we make ever more sort of pressured decisions about saying, hey, should we call those people and ask them if they're ready to buy? Or should we just wait for them to be ready to buy? And it's like, depending on how close we are to getting our revenue goal for the quarter, we sort of make those decisions. But the real key here is, is that the top of the funnel, what we're trying to really do is be more relevant, be more resonant with those people so that they either do convince themselves that they're ready to buy or that quite frankly, when they're ready to buy, we're the ones that are top of mind. So how do we do that? Well, we have to do that by getting specific signals from them about where they are, who they are, and what they care about because that will help us segment those people into the areas where we want to reach back out to them and when we want to reach back out to them. So the top of the funnel is quite frankly, the most important place where we can start to put in first party data acquisition because it gives us the context about where that broad lake of people are that we ultimately want to convince. Now the question is, what kind of experience do we give them to really understand that segmentation? And I want to hang out here for, for just a second because you said something super interesting, which is we're hoping or hopefully that they're, we're expecting that this customer is ready to buy right now. The reality is your customers that are going to be your customers in the future because you have customers today, but your future customers, they're not ready to buy today. So why don't you invest that time today and now for the long term and and it's long term strategy versus short term strategy and i think you know we're all in business and we all need to survive we all need to put food on the table but let's let's say we've exited the survival mode right we're out of out of survival and and we're now in more of a thriving where have you seen a really nice investment into long term strategies well, you know, and it's it's a great point, right? Because, you know, we call it demand generation, right? Typically when we're thinking about that stuff, but really it's not demand generation, it's demand identification, right? In other words, we put out messages and sort of identify those who are, have a need right now. And yay, we get a bunch of hands to go up and then we're just impatient about demand. Demand generation is a long game, right? It is a long game. And I look at companies that are doing, quite frankly, long playing that long game with content a great example of this um, that i love and we actually talk about joe and i talk about in our book killing marketing is the company terminus um, and what those guys did 
with uh, account-based marketing and they're a small startup building a very high funnel content brand called Flip My Funnel. And that entire strategy was all built around the idea of teaching them why account-based marketing and the idea was a good one. And it was basically educating people to generate demand around the whole concept of account-based marketing. And then ultimately they would go, oh, right. Who's the company that brought me the education on why account-based marketing is such an important thing? Ah, it was Terminus. They should probably be the platform I should look at for my own solution. So that's a great example. And in fact, quite frankly, they got so successful with Flip My Funnel that they actually turned it into a multi you know step part of their you know their marketing strategy it became a customer retention it became a high funnel it became you know sort of lead generation it was a huge piece of what they were doing to acquire real context around their customers so as we develop our strategies as we put these things together we're going to have different platforms. We're going to have a MailChimp, a Klaviyo. We're going to have potentially a WordPress. We're going to have our website. We're going to have our accounting software. We're going to have our QuickBooks. I mean, we're going to have data just about everywhere. And I think that's a very interesting point is that <clears throat> maybe for another time is like we have data everywhere, everywhere right now. And, it's, and we're not probably capitalizing in the way that we should. But for this purpose, right, for the idea of creating first-party data through content marketing. What do we need to do and how do we need to approach this as we've developed all these resources and all of these channels? How, what do we do with that? It's a great question. And I, you know, I won't, you know, spoiler alert, it's a difficult question, especially for those that don't have a ton of resources. You know, one of the sides of the sword, if you will, the blade is that, these small point solutions like a MailChimp and like a WordPress and like, you know, all of these smaller uh, solutions have made it really easy for resource constrained marketing departments to get these experiences online, right? Whether it be an email newsletter or a resource center or a microsite or a blog or whatever it is. The separate sort of other side of that blade is that because those solutions are so quick and easy to implement and get up and running, they're not commonly integrated with one another when it comes to the data. In other words, if I sign up for your blog and I get your email newsletter, you know, from that blog every week, well, now I go back to your website and I want to sign up for your e-commerce thing, or I want to sign up for a webinar. I have to put in all my information again, because it's a completely separate system. So to the extent that we can, what we need to start to think about is how are we integrating these experiences together so that we're creating a common audience database customer data platform, if you like. Um, that's the common you know, term du jour these days. But basically, as much as we possibly can, combining these into one aggregate look at our audiences so that with the goal of saying, if I come in and start interacting with your content, I take a poll, I take a survey, I comment on your blog, I set myself up with an account. Well, now when I come in for a webinar or I actually buy something from you, you know me. You don't have to ask for that information again. And from the with the overarching goal of saying, the first time I meet you to the time that you become a loyal customer, I know everything about what you've done in my ecosystem. And that's a big goal and it's hard these days, but it can be done. All of those solutions that you mentioned integrate into more, you know, sort of platform like, you know, whether it's Salesforce or whether it's MailChimp or those kinds of things. 
they all integrate together and, and, and can really help you get that 360 degree look at your customer. Is this like a HubSpot? Is this a sales? What is, what is a customer data platform look like? Well, there are specific versions of that. There are specific tools, right? Salesforce has a specific tool called their customer data platform. HubSpot, they're pretty good at it as well for the small business side, right? So in the old days, we might call this a CRM system. Um, you know, so it, 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 you know, you might, as you might expect, a lot of those solutions like HubSpot or Infusionsoft or, you know, Salesforce or others are building this capability in. A lot of that is sort of, you know, integrations with those things where you can pull in the information from like a MailChimp or something like that. But even if you can just get it down to two, I mean, quite frankly, if you could get like your, your marketing audience and your customer audience and sort of even manually put the others, you know, those two things together, then you're, you're really, really doing well. The key is, to your point, you know, is to get those things connected as best you possibly can. And yeah, HubSpot is a great candidate for that. Salesforce is a great candidate for that. And Fusionsoft is a great candidate for that. There are others out there, certainly. <laughs> I'm, I don't know who your sponsors are, but <laughs> we could certainly name, name off a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of vendors there. Absolutely. Well, Robert, it, it's been great having you on the show. There's something really interesting. We had Joe um, on, on, the episode, uh, on this podcast probably definitely a few months ago. And I think both of you guys have a podcast called uh, This Old Marketing. We do. Yeah, we do. We, we, you know, we're two chuckleheads, you know, the, we, we, we like to think of ourselves as those two old guys and the Muppets, you know, up in the, you know, up in the stand sort of, you know, commenting on the world of media news, content creators, um, and media companies and how businesses and marketers are looking a little more like those kinds of things these days. So yeah, we're having a lot of fun on our weekly podcast and we've been doing it for 10 years. So, you know, it's been around for a while. It's amazing. How would someone find it? It's This Old Marketing, and it's available on your favorite podcatcher, wherever that is. So you can follow us on Spotify or Apple or you know whatever your favorite uh, podcatcher of the day is. Absolutely. Well, Robert, uh, we'll definitely have you back on the show. Thank you so much, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much for having me.